What I want to talk to you today, the last few months, God has really been dealing with me a lot and stirring in my heart about who he is now, the resurrected Jesus. And those of you who were here last week, I shared a little bit about the Jesus now in the book of Revelation, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And as I was looking in and studying and, and reflecting on that, Jesus said, Anna, this is the same Jesus. I am the same Jesus who is coming back again. And so this is what I started to dive into the Word of God and look into it more. And I was amazed at how much Jesus talked about his coming back, his return. He says it over and over again. And then also, even the early church how much they talked about his return, his second coming. In fact, let's look there where Peter talks about it. In 2 Peter 3, if you have a Bible or we're going to put it up there, you can read along. 2 Peter 3, 1 through 4, it says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lesson, saying, where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So Peter tells us, he wants us to remind ourselves of these things. And he tells us, scoffers will come saying, where is the promise of his coming? Things, are always, things have always been this way. Why would it be any different? And then I had to ask myself, am I a scoffer? Honestly, how many times have I thought, oh, he hasn't come back for 2,000 years. What would make today any different? Or even worse, I'm just so caught up in my daily life that I don't even think about it. Ouch. I had to really think about that. And then Peter goes on to explain in verses 8 through 10, he said, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that, the Lord, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. One reason he hasn't come back yet is because he wants as many people saved as possible. And as we look at our world, honestly, with technology, the world, the globe, preaching the gospel is becoming smaller and smaller all the time. This should be something that we should think about and stir in us. And Peter also reminds us that Jesus said he will return like a thief. We're not going to know. In fact, Jesus himself over and over again says, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. Let's look at Matthew 24. Let's see what Jesus says himself in verse 36 through 39. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. 
But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a teacher. I have all these things in this natural world, right? Um, we go through challenges. And it's not that Jesus isn't saying that he doesn't care about that. Debbie recently lost her sister. Jesus was there in that time. I recently had a friend that went through a family that went through a traumatic loss. Does Jesus not? Yes, he cares. He's there. He's with us. My friend Val is going to get married in September. Woo, woo. Is Jesus not excited? Yes, he's excited. He's the one that put this all together. Believe me, I know. It's awesome. <laughs> there even before. Anyways, it's so amazing. Yes, he's there. But like my pastor in California used to always say, we got to hold the two truths in tension. As much as we are in this natural world and Jesus is with us through the things we go through in this natural world, he is saying, but you cannot forget. You are more than that. You are more than a natural being. You are an eternal being. This is not your home. I am coming back to take you to home where you're going to belong forever. We have to hold these truths intention all the time. He's coming back for us. And he continues on in Mark 13, 32 through 33. He says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son of man, but only the father. Take heed, watch and pray for you do not know when the time is. So Jesus is telling us, take heed. What does that mean? That means we need to be paying attention, paying attention, being alert. He says to watch. So what does that mean? Looking for his return. So while I'm doing my laundry, is my heart watching, saying, ooh, could this be the day he's coming back while well, I'm cooking my dinner for my family? And is my heart watching? <gasps> could this be the day? And then he says, pray. Why? Prayer is one of the greatest ways where we helps us to keep focused on our true home, help us, helps us to realize about eternity, and it helps us also be in tune with the Holy Spirit. There's two parables I want to talk about today that Jesus, I feel, really reflects on how he wants us to be ready for him, for his return. Let's look at Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. But only five of them were wise enough to fill their lamps with oil, while the other five were foolish and forgot. So when the bridegroom was delayed, they laid down to rest until midnight. When they were roused by the shout, the bridegroom is coming, come out and welcome him. All the girls jumped up and trimmed their lamps. Then the five who hadn't any oil 
begged the others to share with them, for their lamps had gone out. But the others replied, We haven't enough. Go instead to the shops and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five returned, they stood out calling, stood outside calling, Sir, open the door for us. But he called back, Go away, it's too late. And then what does Jesus say to his disciples, and what is he saying to us, really? So stay awake and be prepared, for you do not know the date or the moment of my return. One of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is oil. I believe what Jesus is saying here is that he wants us, our lamps, to be continuously filled with his Holy Spirit. Why? Because his Holy Spirit is our helper. He didn't leave us alone. He is right here with us. We're never alone with his Holy Spirit. Let's look what Jesus said about his Spirit in John 14, 26. 26, he said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. When Kurt and I were first married and we lived in LA, I worked for a company called Australia New Zealand Direct Line. And basically it was a shipping company and we shipped things back and forth from, from the States to Australia and New Zealand and back again. So I applied for a job working there and when I went in, the boss was the one who interviewed me and the boss was the one who hired me. But when I came for the first day of work, she wasn't the one that trained me. She put me with another guy named Jeff. And Jeff was already doing the job that I was going to be doing, so he was the one that was assigned to train me. Now, even though we were in LA, my region was the East Coast. So it was my responsibility to see, get, um, warehouses that had containers full of different things. It could be anything, toilet paper, paper towels, whatever. We shipped everything. Um, to get a truck to go to the warehouse, fill the container up, take that to a train station. Then from the train station, it, the train would take it all the way across the states to the port of LA, and they would get loaded on one of our ships, and then it would go over to Australia or New Zealand. Well, needless to say, this was thousands and thousands of dollars that we were talking about. So guess who my new best friend was? You bet, Jeff. Because I was like, I am not going to mess this job up. This is too much money, right? So I, like, Jeff became my best friend. And when he was training me, I took detailed notes. I would come home, I would study my notes so that I would know how to do the job. And that's what the Holy Spirit is to us. He is the one that's been given to train us, to teach us, to help us. In John 14, 15 through 18, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he will abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him, for he dwells with you and in you. Notice both, with you and in you. Two truths in tension. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So here we see again that Jesus promises, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send somebody who can train you. Until I come back for you, you have a helper. He will remind you of what you need to be reminded of. He will tell you things to come so you can be prepared. But it, we have to rely on him. Just like I had to rely on Jeff. We have to rely on him. We have to prepare, position ourselves to receive from him. We have to let him be our best friend. And as we do that, we will be able to have his help and his guidance into what the Lord has for us. And that's why Jesus doesn't stop with this parable. He said when he returns, it's not enough that we're just all filled with the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit for a purpose, right? Jeff didn't train me so I could learn the job. Jeff trained me so what? I could do the job, right? And that's what he wants. So let's continue to look at the second parable that Jesus gives us in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 28. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to he who gave, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each one according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, notice in both parables, there's this period of a long time or a delay. The Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he had, so he had received five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you, be a, you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. 
You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. So I just want to point out a couple things here. Let's go and look again at verse 15. He said, And to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on his journey. Here we see that the Lord gave each according to his own ability. That says a couple things to me. One, it says to us that the Lord is never going to ask us to do something we can't do that he hasn't given us the ability to do, that he hasn't equipped us to do. And also notice the second thing. The Lord did not compare any of the servants with each other. He didn't say to the one with two talents, hey, you know, when he came and said, here, I have two more, he didn't say, hey, why didn't you get 10 talents like that guy? He didn't say that. Or he didn't say, oh, you're so good, you just... You know, you didn't, at least you did more than the other guy over here, right? And that's what our sinful nature does. We tend to want to compare ourselves. It's a snare. Either we condemn ourselves and we say, oh, look at that person. They're so great. They're doing this and this and this. Or we say, we get into pride. And then we say, ooh, well, I'm glad I'm not as bad as that person. You know, only got one. Buried his talent, right? No, the Lord never does that. And we should never do that either. The Lord is only going to hold us accountable for what he has given us and what we've done with it. It's between us and God. Amen? And then, let's look at verse 21. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Again, a couple things I want to talk about here. First of all, as we use our talents for the Lord, He increases our talent. He even gives us more. He multiplies it. When Kurt and I first met, I had lived in China for a year. I had lived in Russia for a year. I'm always like, which side should I go? <laughs> um, anyways, I lived in China, lived in Russia for a couple years. I thought for sure my husband was going to be somebody who was called to the nations because I felt called to the nations. Then I met Kurt. Now Kurt had never been outside of the U.S. except for Canada, which I think living in Michigan doesn't count. Sorry, doesn't count. Anyways, so it's so funny. But I said, could this be my husband? And then on Kurt's side, Kurt was leading worship at his church. He was leading a uh, youth choir. He was in the middle of a big youth musical production. He always thought he would have a wife as a keyboard player, a singer, going to lead worship with him. Ooh, that was not me. Not at all. All I ever did was take choir in high school, and that was because I knew I wouldn't have much homework. <laughs> so he had to deal with that, too. You know, but you know what? God spoke to Kurt and he said, 
Kurt, you can do music anywhere in the world. And so we both, we just laid it all down. We felt God was putting us together and we got married and I'm really glad we did. Yeah. Um, but as, as Kurt did that, God started to unlock a whole mess of talents inside of him he didn't even realize were there. We ended up living in LA. We were part of a multicultural church. He often led worship in Spanish. We were part of a community group to the Asian community and he led worship in Mandarin. And then as you know, many, as many of you know that we ended up helping with a church plant in Turkey in which he not only for two years led worship completely in Turkish, but he raised up an entire Turkish worship team. So as he used his talents, God blessed him and increased that talent. He did just what he said, I will increase. And he was able to worship in all these different languages all around the world. And the second thing I wanna point out in this verse, the Lord says, Enter into the joy of your Lord. This is a beautiful thing. As we use our talent, there is a joy that comes. I'm not saying it's always gonna be easy. It's not easy. But there is a joy, and that joy is our strength, and that strength is what we need to go out and do what he's called us to do. But let's look at um, but let's look at now why, what hinders us from using our talent. So in verse 25, let's see, why did the one servant bury his talent? He said, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. One of the biggest obstacles we have is fear. Fear says we won't be successful. Fear says you're gonna fail. So now I told you Kurt's side of the story, now my side of the story. So this past year, after 21 years of being married, God started dealing with me about singing, about playing the keyboard, and I was like, talk about fear. I was like, oh God, you can't be serious. This is not me. Da, 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 all these things. And he's like, no, Hannah, it's time. I want you to start doing this. So I had to break through fear. I had to break through, this is not me, all the things that I said all the years. And I just, as you guys have seen, I have just stepped out and been worshiping in front of you guys, right? And I have to say, as I've stepped out, Tamora has been amazing encouragement. I've been having fun with it. And I have to admit, it is nice to be married to the worship leader. <laughs> and at home, I've been practicing the keyboards. And one of these days, I will play the keyboard for you guys. Yes, I will. But I've had to press through fear, lots of fear. And as I have, God is unlocking talents inside of me that I honestly thought weren't there at all. And I've been filled with joy. And in fact, I wanna talk about joy for a moment. Joy is a really great indicator to know God is leading us. Not saying that we're not gonna to have to press through fear, 
Not saying it's going to be easy, but there inside there's a joy and a peace. I've learned through the years walking with the Holy Spirit that he doesn't push us from behind. It clearly says in his word he leads us. In our Western culture, we're very performance-based. We're very all about do-do-do-do. I need to do this, I need to do that. When you meet somebody new, what's one of the first questions? What do you do, right? It's all about do. And whenever you're feeling like pressure, that you have to do something, that you have to perform, you're feeling driven or pushed from behind, I want to say to you, stop and question it. Ask the Lord, is this really you? Because the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will say to you, all right, you got this. You can do this. You know, like I'm up here, oh, you know, and he's like, girl, I'm with you. You can do it. That is the difference. He's leading us. There's a joy and a peace that comes, even when it's hard. And I believe that these parables are in this order, that Jesus, when he returns, he wants us to be filled with his spirit, and from that place of being filled with his spirit, go out and use our talents, right? When I write a letter, which has been a while, but when I lived in China, there was like no internet. So some of you know about writing letters, some of you don't, but oh, a lot of us will know about writing papers in school, right? And one of the main points is the summary at the end. When you're wrapping everything up, where you're putting in the main points that you want the reader to get, right? You put it at the end. This message is so important to Jesus that it is the main theme throughout the last chapter of the Bible. He says over and over, Behold, I am coming quickly. And let's even look at what are the very last two verses of the last chapter of the Bible. We're going to look at Revelation 22, 20 through 21. Jesus says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. And what is John's response? Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, I mentioned my friend Val here is getting married in September. What I didn't mention is that her fiancé is Cuban, and they're not together right now. And I can promise you, every morning when she gets up, her heart is longing for next month <laughs> when he's going to be here and they get to be together. And even though she's got to go to work, even though she's got to plan a wedding, all of these things in her, in her natural life, there's this part of her heart that is constantly longing to see her groom, right? Yeah. And this is what John is talking about. This is why we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. He is our groom. He is the lover. He is our first love, right? And our hearts is, oh, Jesus, come. We long for you. But 
So, but it all starts by being filled with his spirit. And so I asked Kurt to come and Tamora to come, and they're gonna sing this song, and I want us all to stand and sing. It's called, Fill Me Up, Lord. And I just pray that as we sing this song, that that would be the cry of your heart, that you would cry out, Holy Spirit, come fill me, fill me up, so I can go from this place out to do. Renew that love affair with Jesus. If you need that fire ignited again as him, as your first love, as you, as you sing this song, just let that be your heart's cry, to fall in love with your true bridegroom, who you're gonna spend eternity with. And if you need prayer, Mickey and I will be up here. If you want special prayer, we can pray for you.